0: Welcome everyone
1: Inside.
0: to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source of Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin State. It's in the west end of Richmond where it is Thursday, January the 28th. February is right around the corner um, and true to form, Virginia basketball is hitting its stride. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of uh, interesting victories that the Cavaliers have had since last we spoke. Um, they housed uh, Syracuse. 2 days after getting pushed to the brink by Georgia Tech in a game that was I w- I thought it was going to be close. I didn't know if it was going to be that close. Um so we'll we'll talk about both of those. And then after that we'll we'll get into uh football again. The the ACC was kind enough to let us know they were going to release a schedule at 9:30 this morning um, only to release the schedule piece by piece on Packer and Durham at like 9, which was super super kind of them. Um but I digress. Um we'll talk about Uh, Virginia's 21 fall schedule And what we think of all of that Uh, Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody Uh, First up in Fishersville, David Spence is back on the program How's it going, man? It's
1: going pretty good, man It's cold, it's really cold I can uh, legally gamble from my phone in the state of Virginia (laughs) um, But I can't attend a sporting event So it's a weird time Who Dave's on the board at, who Dave's on Twitter
0: And up in uh, Loudoun County Staff writer Justin Ferber's also back on the show. What's going on, my dude?
2: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, Dave. I gotta get some bets in. Um I was gonna I forgot for tonight, but now I guess I gotta go back and look and see what's available. Yeah, this is scary. Uh it's it's just at the tip of you know your fingers to be able to just lose money to these companies that don't need it. Um but hey, that's that's the world these days. So add Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter.
0: And Cavs Corner also on Twitter, Cavs underscore Corner, great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, yeah. So, man, I'm gonna tell you what we. So in the in the last week or whatever it was, uh, not only did sports betting go live, but then uh, a company called Tally Sight reached out to me, and all three of us are now on it picking games. And suddenly, I'm very like, um, <laughs> I'm very conscious of. <laughs> Of lines and ways that I haven't been in the over-under and, like, looking at the numbers. Well, also, and, like,
2: it's, like, it's so much harder to just flippantly, like, say, I think this team's going to win because it's, like, now there's a record of it. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, if you pick yes, it wrong, there is. there's a record. Yeah. And, I mean, I like. And Vegas
1: is very good, folks.
2: Yeah,
0: seriously. Uh, I like, um I like knowing, you know, that I can, like, tell you guys something um, but nobody really cares, right? But now it's like out there, forgotten everybody, and it's a little bit right. weird for me. But
2: it's I like agree. with the CNN fact checker dude, like looking at all your stuff and being like, "Brad actually thought that Miami was gonna win this game, 0 oh and 1." Yeah, yeah.
0: Boom. Anyway, I, I just want to say for the record, I had a really good first day. Okay, I had a really good Saturday, and everything has gone kaput uh, since then. Anyway. All right, let's let's move on beyond my uh, my inability to prognosticate, um, and let's see if we can uh, you know discuss what we're actually here to talk about. So the Cavaliers come out um, Saturday night, and frankly it was not uh, it, again it was a game I expected to be close, but I did not expect you know Georgia Tech to lead by as many as 11 in the second half. Right, the under 16, it's 49-38. Virginia comes back You know Gets a lead You know It's a little bit Nip and tuck Keke Clark gets a A big shot uh, to, to basically win it uh, It was the last field goal Of the game um, You know It was just a It was an interesting matchup In a variety of ways uh, I thought Jose Alvarado Was Was really strong um, He goes for 20 points He had like Eight assists um, But man Old Sam Hauser got off the Schneid in a big way the last couple of days, starting with this one. he scores twenty two. he was nine and twelve from the floor. Dave, let's start with you in the Georgia Tech game, what really stood out to you? Um was it just being able to gut out a win? Was it the way in which they did it? Was the fact that they, you know, this was a you know, two teams had had five game winning streaks going into that game, what stands out to you, you know, even before we got to Monday night about that Virginia performance?
1: I mean, Seeing them get a gutty win was definitely Big you know last year's team proved They could do it this isn't last year's team It's got some new pieces Um, Actually you know speaking of last year that's what that Game felt like to me it you know If you guys remember so many games last year Where Kihei would just kind of be sloppy and Make bad decisions in the First half and then come back and hit a game winner In the second and that's kind of What happened in this game like you know he had Some you know some ill Advised drives and some bad passes Under the basket and you know you give a team you know you've seen it teams coming in the j p j whether pandemic time or not, you know Virginia can get on them early, they usually keep them keep them at bay it's it's when they struggle, so Virginia struggles early that they tend to have issues um and having to to fight a little bit more um, but yeah, I mean to me like as probably Sam Hauser's biggest critic, um, that's you know seeing him emerge the last couple of games has really, you know, I'm going to have to eat some humble pie. Like, you know, he's definitely improved defensively. Um, you know, he's not – he's never going to be a Braxton Key or DeAndre Hunter, but um, he's getting himself in position better and and his efforts better and communications better. better. Um, and you put that with – you know, I feel like his offense, he's kind of figured out his niche a little bit. Um, and he's – you know, when he gets time, he's a dead eye shooter. So, you know, I think – you know the biggest take-home message is certainly this team has has the guts to not panic in in a tough spot and you know that's important for every team because not every game is going to be a blowout
0: what about you Ferber? what stood out to you uh, about that game saturday night
2: yeah i mean i i think you mentioned like I i thought it would be close i can't remember what we picked in the preview but I assume that it would be a single digit sort of game, but I didn't think it would be I don't think it, I didn't think it would look like it did. I thought it would be more like UVAs up a little bit the whole game, and Georgia Tech just won't go away, and then UVA finally does enough to put them away. Um, but yeah, Georgia Tech just came out and and if they had won, I was prepared. you know, I had the tweet thought out in my mind, <laughs> like, you know, I, they just outplayed UVA for a long stretch. Um, and that's. You know, obviously UVA could have played better that, you know, they had some turnovers that were costly. They didn't consistently play well on the offensive end throughout the game. Um But Georgia tech really, I mean, I think that the, they would have been a lot more about them if they had won that game than, than a detriment to UVA, just because I really felt like they, you know, came in with a good game plan and they have a lot of like veteran players, especially in the backcourt that can execute and, and right is a hand, you know, he's, he's a handful Um in the post, and then also can step out and shoot. So, I mean, I think that they're a tough matchup. Um, and then I think Passon really does a nice job, like mixing up the defenses on possession by possession basis, um, and that just kind of throws little wrinkles at teams and, and gives them a lot more to look at. But um, I, I think that the thing that stood out to me the most is that they they didn't really seem panicked. They kind of, you know, played to the finish. They they seemed like a team that expected to win. Um, despite being down, I think it was 11 at one point. Um, I mean, there were times during the game in our text thread that, you know, we were kind of like, yeah, this is looking like a loss. Um, and I'm not usually somebody that jumps to that conclusion, but sometimes it just feels right. And in this game, it really did feel like a loss for a while. And they just did enough down the stretch. Hauser made a few, I mean, he had a big game scoring wise, but he really had a big stretch Uh, that three that he hit. I think it was out of a timeout. Mm -hmm. Um, That really set them off i felt like after that and and i think they they needed that one pretty bad um and that kind of was the catalyst for them going forward but yeah and and you can see like it's been a a trend in all of the games but you really see what happens when jay gets taken off the court um and obviously like tony can't play him 40 minutes so like he can't (laughs) it's not his fault he has to take him out of the game but um you know there was that stretch in the first half where he looked pretty tired and they took him out and georgia tech took advantage of it and until Caden Cedric's ready to play again, you know, you're going to continue to see that. But I think that they do deserve credit for kind of gutting out a win against the Georgia Tech team that I think is a postseason caliber team. I mean, I know they went and lost to Duke the other night, but um, they have the pieces. They're a team that could really, like, mess with somebody that's good in the tournament if they get there. I don't even know if they can go. They're probably on probation or something. but. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um I mean I picked them 6th in the league so I mean like I thought that they'd be pretty good this year and and I don't think that game being close really sends of alarm bells considering what they did in the next game against Syracuse anyway. Yeah. Um
0: so the interesting part to me about this one so it's so I think it's uh 49 so it's it's 4937. Um sorry. F- yeah, 4937. Um 4938, my bad. And Huff hits a pair of free throws at the 15-minute mark, basically. And it was about this time when UVA sort of got his foot in. Casey Morcell makes a huge three-pointer with 13-16 left to cut it to six. But then Alvarado answers for three. So UVA comes out of the uh, under-12 timeout, you know, down uh, nine, right? And Hauser hits back-to-back threes, the second of which he had no business – it was a shot he had no business taking. He was literally caking it before he caught the ball – and he was bodied. I mean, I don't. I'm not, I'm not even really sure how he got that thing off. Um, and it was one of those like I'm gonna, I'm doing this kind of shots. And that's a thing we have not seen a lot from him. And I thought that like as the season has gone, you can clearly see. I mean, his last few games, he's been tearing it up in terms of shooting the ball. But he seems much more, you know, engaged. He seems much more comfortable in what they want him to do. He seems more activated. Um, I don't know how many other words to say that like he has. He has certainly kind of come around, to, you know, to Dave's point about humble pie. Like, you know, Eden Crow is, you know, like, early in the season, he was clearly not where he is now. And he, but the thing is, is that he's there now, right? He scores 22 points in this game, like I said, 9 of 12 from the floor, 4 or 5. You know, he had six boards. Um, he had two turnovers, but he still had a block a steal, um, 35 minutes. He was plus 7. I thought he was really strong. Beekman, I thought also, despite only scoring six points, I thought was good. Um, but realistically, you know, it, it really in a lot of ways comes down to two things: can UVA make shots, and do they protect the ball, right? And when I say make shots, I don't mean just hit threes. I mean Jay Huff scores eighteen this game. He had a couple of threes. Be seven of eleven from the floor. Um, you know, he had five blocks in this game. There were there were definitely there was definitely a stretch of this where he was just taking Moses right to school in a way that I lo- honestly did not see coming. Like, I actually thought Wright was kind of a, a tough cover for him because he's so mobile and physical. And Jay really just ate him for lunch. Um, I was really impressed with the game that Huff had against him. But Kihei Clark has eight assists in this game. Um, you know, he doesn't score a lot. He, his only shot was what, what eventually was the game winner with a buck 08 left. Um but, you know, UVA had to play good defense They had to, you know, this was a good uh, This was a good uh, learning experience for them In a variety of different ways, I thought um, You know, they've had games where they had to come back But not against good teams And, I, and I'm not still, I'm not ready if to say that Georgia Tech Is a quote-unquote good team But I can tell you that, like, if you are A team on a win streak, you don't want to have to play them um, Because between Alvarado And Wright and DeVoe And that Usher kid, that Usher kid is legit um, Transfer dude Like, that, that, that kid can ball um, they're going to be a little bit of a problem uh, If they can kind of keep this thing going um, Let's move on to Monday night So after Virginia gets that win <laughs> Poor Syracuse <laughs> Syracuse comes to town And UVA goes through them like a hot knife through butter 81-58 Cavaliers shoot uh, 49.2% from the floor 45% from three um, 21 for Hauser and Huff Each uh, Murphy goes for 16 Beekman for 10 Um and, wow, Syracuse was 5 of 24 from long range. Um, you know, even though Virginia turned it over 13 times, Syracuse just really couldn't, couldn't seem to do anything with it. Watching that one unfold, Dave, what have you had? I mean, it's, it's, there have definitely been a couple games this year where, you know, it was obviously, you know, nip and tuck uh, for UVA, you know, Saturday night being one of them. How early do you remember in this game kind of turning off the anxiety meter, right? When did you sort of I mean, I don't want to say like when did you know it was over, but when did you know it was over?
1: Yeah. I mean, for the record, as much of a hand-ringer as I am, I like even when I think when even when the Georgia Tech game was like that, like I'm not getting upset about a basketball loss. they are few and far between. Um so my ang- anxiety is probably not a good word for it. Um I mean, it was pretty. It wasn't long. I don't even know second TV timeout. I mean, it felt pretty comfortable. Um, the only thing kind of hanging over it was you knew Syracuse was going to go to the press at some point, and you know, I felt like Virginia just needed to have enough lead um, when that happened, not to get you know the lemon booty if it <laughs> if they narrow it down to single, you know, single digits or something. But you no, know, they just looked on and you. Know, you know, when Virginia's hitting their shots. It's they're a tough team to beat, and like I love playing against the zone. It's one of my like I love when we play Syracuse, even when it's 43-40 or whatever it was. Um, just it's so fun to watch the contrasting styles. I know probably most non-UVA or Syracuse fans don't want to watch that game, but um, like there's nothing. There's a few things in basketball that get me more excited than watching Virginia try to figure out how to attack that that two three and. You know, whoever's at the free throw line because it you know it's changed so much over the years during Tony. Um you know, Todd Jerome's kind of the the king of, of being that guy, but it was interesting seeing them put Kihei there and having Jay there a couple of times and Sam and um I don't think they put Beekman there, but maybe once or twice. But um yeah, I mean it was a nice easy, easy, breezy game, um, which I did not feel the need to rewatch right after, although I did. Um <laughs> Before, before I before uh, I forget, like I know we've been talking a lot about Sam Hauser's improvement and we've given Beekman a lot of love since he moved to the starting lineup, but man, Casey Morcell is looking is playing really good basketball. He's not taking a lot of shots, he's hitting some big shots. Um, and after last year that's refreshing to see.
0: In this game, Casey only scores seven, but he's three of five from the floor. Um, you know, he plays, you know, not a whole lot of minutes um, in this one. But I think if it, you're, if you look at just trajectory, right, um, you know he had to play more against Georgia Tech, um, you know for a variety of different reasons. I think in that game, you know Murphy was like one of four from the field. Um, you know he played like twenty some minutes, but it really it was Marcel who steadied him. You know he he had um, he had a couple of you know big shots. He scored nine points, four of eight from the floor. Um, but I think it's his trajectory that is you know crystal clear. And, frankly, like, Syracuse just did not have an answer Whether, you know, it didn't matter whether it was guards, forwards, whatever um, You know, they were all over the place This is one of those games, though, where it wasn't just, you know UVA doing diff- the whole different guys, different nights thing You know, they've had a couple games now where they've had five dudes in double figures They do it again, but two of those dudes had 20 One of them had 16 Like, that in and of itself is, is kind of impressive um, I guess as I look at it, now there's only four of them in double figures in that game But for them to score 80 points Ferber. per Possession you know to 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 turn it over as many times As they did 19.1% turnover Percentage and still win By 23 says A lot about not just their execution but I mean They had 23 assists on 29 May baskets I mean that's probably Do you think that's as good as this Offense can be or do you think that there's still a little bit more uh, Juice left in that squeeze
2: I mean it's an interesting Question just because you know, they're playing the zone. So, like Dave said, it's just different, you know? Um, the zone, Syracuse in particular, I wrote about this in the preview, but, and I was really thinking about it when I was writing the preview for that game. Like, it's really hard to predict their games compared to other teams. Like, with Clemson, like, I know what I'm getting every time um, win or lose. Like, they're going to give you the same thing. Syracuse, it's like some games they look amazing. Like, they dismantled Virginia Tech on Saturday. Virginia Tech couldn't get anything going against the zone. Syracuse scored at 80 points or whatever it was. Then they come to Charlottesville and the they just look terrible. Like, because the, the if the other team can execute against the zone, it's easier to score on than man. It just is. I mean, I we all played youth basketball, I'm sure at some point. It's easier to score against zone than man. It just is. If you're do if you're moving the ball effectively. Um, you get more open shots. And I think UVA specifically is a bad team to play zone against because guys like Hauser and Murphy thrive on the open space. So, like, Hauser specifically against the zone is dangerous because, you know, in a normal, like, blocker mover or whatever, he's running around, somebody's chasing him. He's not the most athletic guy. He's got an athletic guy on his back chasing him around. Against the zone, he's just sitting in space. So if you leave him too much space, he just gets a room and rhythm three, and that's where he's going to kill you. Him and Murphy is the same way. So it's like I really think that if teams try to run zone against UVA, it's usually not going to work out very well. With that being said, I mean, it was one of the best performances they could have, but, you know, against um, a man defense, you know, if they – I mean, I guess they sort of did that against Clemson. But I think we're starting to see – you know, my hope is that this is obviously like efforts like this Clemson game. They're they're near the peak for this team, but I really think it's almost starting to become the norm, not the peak. You know what I mean? Like, how many games have they scored eighty points? I think like three out of their last four or something mm-hmm. like that. Because mm-hmm. they eighty-five against Clemson, eighty against Notre Dame, eighty-one or whatever it was the other night. Um, it's not an aberration anymore. Like, they they just have a good offense and. You know, we were worried about the defense earlier in the season, and, and they're not perfect, but improving. That's good enough if you can score 80 points. Like against the pack line and a against the slowest playing team in the country, you're not going to score 80 points very often. I mean, it's going to take a r- superhuman effort. Um, yeah, and I, I just think that like against zone, uba is going to thrive, and and they can do it against man too because we've seen it. So I think I think we're starting to see the. Offense become basically the best form of what they can be this year, which is very very good.
0: So like right now, so yeah, so they scored you know eighty against Notre Dame, eighty five against Clemson, and then eighty one against Syracuse. So that's three of the last four. Um, What's what's kind of interesting before I get into the numbers from from looking at Kim Palm, like this is almost exactly what we said they were going to do last year. Remember we were talking about like oh, but you know next year, and I don't think at the time many people you know, would have expected that Murphy was going to be able to play right away. Right. Like this is what folks expected Virginia to be last year when that offense was struggling so bad. Like, yeah, it's a shame that they can't, you know, get to next year because next year's offense is going to be really good. Um, the consistency though, to your point, to be able to blow out Clemson, you know, and that, that Clemson game in hindsight continues to sort of evolve a little bit, you know, right. As you sort of look at the big picture, um, sort of where Clemson is, and sort of where they were. <laughs> I mean, I, I think think as Mark Titus I saw say something like, you know, UVA put them back to the dark ages because ever since that UVA game, Clemson has been just Bobo. Um, now I understand that Except you know, when I bet.
1: Except what I bet against. Them. <laughs> except when
0: you bet against them, they beat Louisville. Uh, but <laughs> well, but, then all
2: bets, like literally all bets are
1: off. Yeah, true that.
0: True that. Yes. Um, but think about it like this, man. UVA right now has the tenth best offense nationally, um, which is. You know, we're, we're used to seeing them be up there. I mean, this is not like, you know, cr- you know crazy talk. Um, they got the fourth-best um, effective field goal percentage, the fifth-best turnover percentage. They are top ten also in three-point percentage of their offense. They're top five in free-throw percentage, which is nuts, um, second in non-steal turnover percentage. The, their offense essentially is just cooking. And a lot of it, you know, maybe, maybe you can point to and you can say, okay, you've played Notre Dame twice. You got in Boston College and Wake Forest. You still have not played, you know, the meat of your schedule. But, dude, look around the ACC. What's the meat of the schedule this year, right? So, okay, maybe the Tech game on Saturday night, which we'll talk about here in a second, is important. Uh, NC State without Devin Daniels next week. You know, Louisville, who knows what – I don't know. I don't have any idea what Louisville is right now. Louisville is like an enigma wrapped inside of a puzzle. Like, I don't even know what to do with them. They get to go to Atlanta, which that Georgia Tech rematch should be interesting. And then they get this kind of, you know, this kind of spurt until the end of the season where you get Carolina, Florida State, Duke, Pittsburgh, much better than we've all thought, um, probably with the ACC Player of the Year on board. You get one reprieve getting Miami at home before you finish up at Louisville. I mean, that's a you know a fairly strong end to the season. But at this point, the you know, Ferber said room and rhythm. Like, these kids are just... They're 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 kind of locked in, and that's you know that's understanding that they just had a sixty four point game in the middle of this four game um, blitz or whatever. But I I just look at this offense and I think I don't think that they've reached where they can go because they still turn the ball over a bunch, right? And that might just be a function of who they are, right? Maybe they just need to turn it over thirteen times or whatever. Um, you know, in the Georgia Tech game, um, you know Virginia had what uh, nine turnovers in that one, right? It's they're gonna if they if they can be even more efficient, they can. I, I do think there's a little bit more juice in that squeeze. We we, we mentioned the, the tech game. I I don't think it's, I don't think it's a foregone um, conclusion to say that Tyrese Radford is not going to be back all st- for the rest of the year. But I think it's a foregone um, thing right now that he's not going to be there Saturday night when Virginia comes to Blacksburg. Dave, this is obviously a you know a game that every Virginia fan wants to win. Um, mm-hmm. given where tech is right now. So the Hokies at this point, you know, they, I, I gotta be honest. I was really surprised at how, um, easily they looked, how easily things look for them against Notre Dame after they got housed, um, up at Syracuse the other day. Um, but they've won four of their last five, you know, they're 12 and three overall six and two in the league. How you feeling about Saturday night in the castle?
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to complaining about their super soft, loud rims and <laughs> terrible lighting. Um, no, I mean, like, Virginia Tech's a good program. Like, you know, I think they're the upper echelon of the ACC this year. But honestly, like, the ACC is just so weird. I mean, we we just you just mentioned Pitt, and like, I think Pitt's good, but are they? <laughs> like, you know, it's it's going to be so. I, mean, I think Florida State's the only other team I would put. You know, if I had to put money on any other team to win the ACC other than Virginia's Florida State, I don't think I'd put it anywhere else. Um, that said, like Virginia Tech, look, they're an improving pro- program. I'm, I don't like to give the Hokies credit, but, you know, Mike Young's done a good job there. Um, I mean, they essentially – I mean, they're kind of Virginia-like, right? I mean, he plays a, a version of the pack line. Um, you know, they're not as fast, you know. Not as fast as other teams. I don't think they're as slow as Virginia. I haven't looked at their um, their tempo recently, but I think they're a little faster than Virginia. But, you know, they're going to shoot a lot of threes and they're going to play hard defense. And, you know, they're going to come out with their hair on fire. This is a big game for them. So um, I think if you look at Virginia's Virginia starting lineups, this is going to be the first Virginia Tech game for three of the starters. And, uh, you know, it they just got. I think Virginia's just got to weather the storm early. You know, come out, do what they do. They've had some tough games down there with them, You know, with with fans in the past. Um, I guess they'll only have one fan here. It'll be a big ass fan, but it'll be there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it'll like. I mean, I'm I'm nervous about the game because it's Tech, and like, I mean, I don't think Texas is as good as they would be without radford but they they looked a lot better against notre dame than i expected obviously i can't bet on that game but i picked them to lose it um but you know virginia does virginia sees the pack line every day in practice um, and we know tony's kind of fired up to to win this one plus you know mike young wants to wear a suit and tony doesn't so (laughs) i mean i'm nervous about it but look yeah. i think virginia can win the game if, if they play play clean like i'm not as worried about the turnovers as as maybe others are because i mean Virginia's playing a little faster this year so you're going to have more possessions so the turnover numbers like 13 feels like a lot but i think we had, had a lot of a, a lot of possessions for a virginia team against syracuse so you're going to turn it over when you have more possessions um luckily most of the most of the turnovers are out of you know our dead ball turnovers so yeah, i Se- love to play a clean game.
0: 71 possessions for in that Syracuse game. Yeah. Which was yeah, pretty... the most of the season. They had they were 69 in the Gonzaga game, 67 against Kent State, which obviously went to overtime. So that tells you a little bit about where that thing was.
1: Yeah. Um, I can't believe it was morning Gonzaga. It felt like we had the ball every two seconds because they were scoring. Yeah. Um, um. But anyway, Uh. Yeah. I mean, I'm mean, i nervous about the game just because it's the Hokies, but it, it's going to be a fun one. Um. I think we'll have a lot – It'll help kind of determine Where things stand um, You know if Tech wins It's not the end of the world It's um, You know they're a good team But won't End of my world End of my day at least
0: <laughs> So to answer your question On pace At this point just a tempo Tech is 285th To put that in perspective Virginia is dead last At 357 um, Tech defense. It's hard to believe
1: Virginia still last
0: Yeah me too I, I, I've been thinking about that too um, tech defensively is 34th nationally in adjusted efficiency. Um, they are not really that remarkable in you know in really any other category. Not to steal Ferber's um, preview Thunder from tomorrow, but um, you know they don't st- they you know they're they don't steal the ball a lot. They they do they do a pretty decent job here and there. But I mean they're they're not really top 50 in anything other than the two categories I just mentioned. Um, And they're way outside, you know, that in whether it's steel percentage, they're 122nd and two point percentage. I, I just feel like watching that tech team, it's almost like teams that don't play Virginia struggle with Virginia sometimes because they haven't, they don't understand what the pack line, you know, sort of means. It's a different, it feels like it should be man to man, but it frustrates you. The elements that tech is using. I think a lot of them kind of tend to to hit the same note, right? Which is that you know team, they they are they play it hard, um, they are a max effort group, uh, and sort of the 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 skill sets and the way things sort of merge. It makes sense why they give some people some problems. Without Radford, I'm a little bit dubious about their offense. Now, granted, they they just beat Notre Dame, but I mean, they only put 62 on Notre Dame, and you know the first time they played. You know they had them by like what fifteen points more or something like that. Um, I don't know. I just I just don't know how Tech is going to score enough points. We can talk about you know hard you know how hard they play and this and that, but I mean realistically, can they can they score enough? I think I think their best chance is really you know that 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 combo of Aluma and Muts, right? Can 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 Tech make enough hay with those two guys? And really put UVA in a bind, get you know, Jay Huff in foul trouble. You know, we know how limited Virginia's bench is in terms of the post. Um, what do you do? Do you, do you ask you know, Hauser and, and Murphy to really play much bigger than they are? Um, I, Kafar is going to have to give you some minutes in this game. He's done a pretty nice job, actually, the last couple games of doing that. Ferber, as you start to break this thing down ahead of the preview and stuff, uh, as folks listen to it, what, what stands out to you about this Tech game and how you feeling?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the Radford loss is, is you know, big. But I think that – I hate to say it, but, I mean, if they're going to lose a guy in the backcourt, they have a lot they've, – they've been a deep team in the backcourt for a long time now or at least rotate a lot of guys through the lineup. So I think they might have enough to sustain that at least. Um, obviously, you never want to lose your second-leading scorer. But um, I think Aluma is sort of the key to the game for me and how that works – that matchup works for him and Jay Huff because um, you know it should be a tough matchup for Aluma. He's gonna have to play away from the basket a lot, but and he can he can step out and shoot too. but I think the big thing is going to be Jay staying on the court. So like he can't pick up early fouls, um, which is very possible against a very talented big because I feel like if he goes out of the game, that's sort of when Aluma is going to be able to do work and that might be able to keep them in the game if they can keep it low scoring. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned that I was thinking the same thing. Like usually UVA is the team that would be more comfortable playing in the 50s, but Tech actually probably would rather it be there than than UVA, right? So um I think it's going to come down to, you know, how those two big men fare against one another and then, you know, can UVA continue to shoot the ball the way that they have cuz If they do, I think they're going to be really hard to beat against anybody, um, especially a tech team that's still trying to figure out, you know, how to replace Tyrese Radford's scoring production and and get over the hump. But um, I do think that they're a pretty good team. I think they'll finish near the top of the ACC, um, even with the loss of Radford. So um, I think that it's going to be a tough test, but, you know, no fans again. So I, I don't know how much it matters that they have to go down there, but, you know it should be a good game and and I think UVA will probably win um, but but it could be uncomfortable just like the Georgia Tech game was last weekend.
0: Yeah, I mean that has been a little bit of a theme with them right is that they you know they they will get these games where you know they fall down 8 or 9 points. The difference with this and and I think for a lot of folks who you know whether fans observers alike trying to sort of recalibrate it used to be that Virginia got down; it was going to be really tough because you weren't going to have as many possessions, right? You already are going to be, you know, pretty efficient to score the points that you're going to sp- score anyway. So if you're if you're behind, you know, yeah, you can maybe get stops, but can you score enough points, right? This team can score points like this team can turn, you know, an eleven point deficit into a lead in like no time, right? Um, they can go on big runs, um, not just because they've got the shooting. I mean, listen, the other night against Syracuse. I don't care who you're playing, right? You hit fourteen, you hit fourteen threes or whatever. You're you're going to play pretty well. You're going to have, and you, especially when you're sharing the ball the way that team was the other night. But I, I think if you think about Radford's the, the absence of of him in the in the lineup, it's one thing to 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 sort of find out your dude got arrested and whatever, and he's suspended indefinitely and then go on the road and play Notre Dame. It's a whole different matter to get yourself mentally and emotionally. And a physically right to play a, the number eight team in the country without a guy who, you know, for all intents and purposes, he, in a lot of ways, he is their energy leader, right? Like, he is, he's kind of the engine in a lot of ways. I know BD is for them, is is a very important player, and I'm not trying to make light of that. But listen, this is a tech team that now wouldn't have um, the, who's the kid that's opting out, whose name I can never pronounce correctly, Um and they also now don't have uh,
2: um, Cartier Jara Jara. That's or it.
0: Because it does, it's not it's not like it, it, they the his last name is not said the way it's, I always
2: thought it was Diara.
0: I, I did but too. Until, apparently
2: it's Jara Jara. So. Yeah. Um.
0: So without Radford, without him, you know, this is a this is a tech team that is a little bit more limited. To, you guys have made good points about the way they sort of move through their lineup and they get different guys in the game. Um, we've seen Kihei Clark have some really nice matchups against uh, Wabisabidi. We've also seen um, Virginia get hurt by the type of big man that that Tech has in both Aluma and Mutz. Now, Aluma's not quite the three-point threat that that Mutz is, but they both stretch you out a little bit. To me, the key is um, Naheem. Um, is it... Does he say it? Allen? Oh, is it Aline? Yeah. I, I think it's Allen. I think it's just Allen. Okay. That kid... He played really well The other night He was That was a a little bit Of a surprise to me Was just you know How how much he was doing Inside outside Virginia's gonna have To figure out a way To make sure That the One that Huff Stays out of foul trouble But then two Like I said Offensively Like we can focus on Slowing Tech down This and that But realistically It's gonna be about Whether Tech can slow UVA down To me at least And I feel like If if you're If you're looking at UVA And you think Is it possible They go in there And they can hit The broad side of a barn No pun intended Um yeah, it's that's obviously possible. But um, given how much offense Virginia has, and now I think with Tony having a much better feel for, like, how things need to fit together, um, it'll be really interesting to see, especially since, you know, this is this is obviously, you know, they've had some time off now, um, you know, from Monday to Saturday, and they don't play again until Wednesday. It's not like they have to come back, you know, play Monday. So maybe, you know, you give Huffle a little bit more burn. But um, anyway, I think that's a good place yeah, to
1: played like the entire second half against Syracuse, right?
0: Yeah, I think, I so. don't think
1: he came out once. So that had to be his second most minutes of the year. And I don't know, like if he can do that again, I mean, he was pretty effective. Obviously you're not working as hard against his own as you are, man, to man, but, um, but, yeah I mean, the, just to, just to put a pen in, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Like, I mean, I think it'd be nice to have Shedrick back. Um, but, yeah, Jay Huff foul trouble is going to be huge. Like, if he's off the floor, then Virginia almost has to go small against the way Tech plays, I think. I don't, I don't know how much of a role Cafaro can have in that game other than just brief stints. Um, so, yeah, the whistle will tell the tale.
0: So, now on the football front, obviously the ACC decided to release its uh, schedule, which, I mean, frankly, I appreciate any, any time. Let's focus first on UVA's schedule. I'll read it out to you um, real quick. Opening the season September the 4th against William & Mary. They then would um, welcome Illinois um, the next weekend before traveling to North Carolina um, on the 18th. They come back home for a Friday evening matchup against Wake Forest. Then they go back on the road the next Thursday night um, at Miami for the third year in a row. Um, They get a few extra days, and then they get to go to Louisville on the 9th of October. Then they get two games at home in back-to-back weekends. Duke first for the third time in a row. And then um, revamp Georgia Tech, which is going to feel like forever since we all saw them <laughs> for obvious reasons. Then they close out um, October with a matchup at BYU. So the Cavaliers will head Provo. Um, won't be any storylines for in that one. And then they close out after a bye week. They close out with Notre Dame at home. They go to Pittsburgh on the 20th of November – and then they have Virginia Tech In the Commonwealth Cup uh, matchup at home as well um, I don't know if we want to go game by game uh, How you guys want to look at it It's very clear to me that this is a It's a very interesting schedule to me The BYU game being where it is in the schedule Is kind of fascinating of itself The fact that they've got a Friday, Thursday, Saturday um, Stretch there um, is kind of interesting right? They're going to go to Carolina And they've got a short prep and then another short prep And then they get some extra time Before they go to Louisville But man That that last half or so Of the schedule Is is really interesting uh, Dave let's start with you General thoughts On the schedule as, as it unfolded I know Carolina being there In week three Was definitely not What you wanted to see um, When things were starting To unfold yeah. But in general What what were some of your Your, 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 your kind of quick takeaways
1: I mean It's I think it's easier Than last year's schedule Because Clemson's not on it Right I mean And Notre Dame's not as going to be as good this year as they were last year. Um, I think overall it, Virginia needs to make hay early. Um, in that middle stretch, they got a couple of tough games and then, yeah, I, mean, I think the schedule sets up where Virginia stumbles, like doesn't start strong. It's going to be a long year because the end of the schedule is very potentially very difficult because quite frankly, I don't know what BYU is without Zach Wilson. Um, so, yeah, I mean, overall, it's fun. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Friday night games. Um, my favorite thing ever in Charlottesville where they won't let you tailgate till like, 5 or 6 o'clock because the hospital has to use Scott Stadium. Um, uh, here I am assuming we'll be there. But, you know, maybe I'll let it slide this year since I didn't get to go at all last year. But, yeah, um, I'm happy. I mean, seven home games. And, I mean, we, we kind of knew the opponents already. The order, I mean, yeah, I would not I would prefer not to play Carolina that earlier in the year, but you got to play them at some point, and I think having a Wake after them on a short week could be an issue. But, you know, it, it, comparing it to the other teams' schedules, I think it's fair.
0: What about you, Ferber? What were some of your initial takeaways?
2: So the first takeaway that I had, uh, for me, you know, obviously, like they said, we already know the opponents. It's just when they're going to be. This year was a little different because we didn't know if the ACC was going to compensate for the fact that, um, you know, Duke's come to Charlottesville twice in a row now, and now this will be year three. UVA's gone to Miami twice in a row, and now this will be year three. But they didn't do anything. They didn't change anything. They just sort of went back to 2021 like nothing happened. So, and that's, you know, certainly one way to do it. Um, but the way that I look at this schedule, now that the list of opponents is in order, is I sort of see it in three sections or periods of the schedule. So the first period is... You got to start fast. William & Mary, Illinois, at UNC, Wake, right? So you really, I mean, I don't want to put too much pressure on them, but you really want to shoot for three-and-one there. Um, Illinois is sort of a total rebuild right now. So I think that they, I mean, they should be favored by a decent amount in that game. And William & Mary, obviously, is a must-win. And then you try to split the other two, you know, North Carolina and Wake. Obviously, if you win all four, great, but... I think that would be a good start. And then your second stretch or your second period of games is at Miami, at Louisville, Duke, Georgia tech, right? So in this stretch, you probably want to go at least two and two, um, you know, with Georgia Tech and Duke at home, I think you could probably try to, you know, just aim for the sweep of those two. Um, and then maybe try to split Miami Louisville. Um, that's going to, Miami's going to be tough on the road, but, um, Louisville, you know, that's a winnable game, I think. Um, They'll be breaking in a new quarterback. And then, you know, your last four, you just hope to go two and two. You know, at BYU, Notre Dame, at Pitt, Virginia Tech. There's not, a, there's not an easy game in that stretch. Um, you know, at BYU, even if they're a step back from where they were this year, which I'm sure they will be, you know, that's always a physical game. It's on the road. There's a lot of emotion involved, obviously, for UVA going back there. Um, UVA's coaches, I mean. You know, so I don't think that's an easy one. And it's on the road. And then you get Notre Dame. And then Pitt is going to be a tough game. It's going to be cold weather up there. Um, and then you have Virginia Tech at home. So I think if you can try to go 3-1 in the first stretch, at least 2-2 two two or 3-1 in the second stretch, and then probably just assume you're going to go 2-2 two and two on the back end, that's how you get to a successful season. So... I think the hot start is going to be really important, um, and this always always comes with the disclaimer that, you know, we the schedule looks one way now. You know, we could get halfway through the season and Notre Dame could be two and five, and we could be like, oh well, that's going to be a win. You know, like we just didn't look at it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's certainly a challenging non-conference schedule. I mean, you have Illinois, who's a, a Power 5 team, BYU and Notre Dame, all in one year, which is not ideal. And I'm sure that – I mean, we know that Bronco didn't want to play that BYU game. So, um, you know, they weren't able to get out of it. They're just going to have to make the best of it. And, and you know, it's not that much worse than last year's schedule, like Dave said, because last year's schedule was all ACC games. So, um, yeah, I mean, it should be interesting. It, it's good to see real games. Hopefully everybody's able to go to them.
0: Yeah. All right, I want to I want to drop back for a second before we get really get into the 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 some more of the meat of the ACC portion. That BYU game, it it fascinates me on like seventeen different levels. Right. All right, just take out take out all the the kind of quote unquote off the field stuff. Right. You have a team that in a in a pandemic year when you know the season was kind of all over the place, BYU pushed. You know. To be one of the, you know what I'm saying? Like, they really, I don't want to say they put themselves on the map because BYU has obviously a rich tradition and everything. But, like, what that kid did for that team, and then now he's not going to be there. Right? So, who are they? And that's a big challenge for for that coaching staff coming off of a pandemic. And, you know, we don't know what spring football is going to look like at this point. And you know, that's a very interesting matchup, especially considering for UVA, there is all that off the field stuff. And as a if you're, you know, a fan, you know, you look at this game, you think you don't really care about BYU, but you know that the people who are coaching your team, they really care about BYU. And how is this going to impact them? And how is that going to be sort of perceived and acted on by the players? There's just so much to this that is not just like, oh, you know They're very strong on this line, you know what I'm saying Like, there's a lot of this that is way beyond that That is really difficult To to sort of parse out, and I mean I think by by the time you get there, you know Bronco will have been asked about it a million times And it'll be old hat, but I mean Even then, will you know how they're going to react Like, we we might know how they think they're going to react You know, but like, that's a A very different Game week for these guys um, Not just because it's the School, and but I mean, think about the 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 amount of conversation that's going to happen, not just like in media, but like just in human beings talking to family, and you know what I'm saying? Like it's a it's a very different thing. We're not talking about like a coach who used to coach somewhere, right? You're talking about like just about the whole coaching staff came from there. Like that's a very different animal, and I, I can't think of I can't think of a, uh, a of an analog to that in Virginia history. Honestly, I can't think of anything close. Um, let's talk about the league in general. Um, in the coastal Let's focus on the coastal Who got Who get the better end Of the bargain um, I mean I feel like Tech <laughs> Tech gets Notre Dame Tech gets to, Has to open the season Against Carolina um, Tech gets uh, West Virginia And that's That fun rivalry um, Road games In the year At Miami And at uh, Virginia Tech has One home game Of the last Five games Of the season
2: yeah, they have like six of seven at home or something to that's start the season, I
0: think. Wild. Anyway, Ferber, talk to me about the coastal in general. What are your thoughts?
2: Well, I mean, that first week game, um, tech, I think it's in Blacksburg, right? Um, they're playing North Carolina. That's a <laughs> that's gonna someone's gonna come out of that game real pissed off. Like there's no other way to put it. Um I mean, I think that you know, North Carolina will probably have higher expectations or certainly will. Um Going into the season. So, I mean, I think that either they're going to go in there and beat tech, and tech fans are going to be like, all right, it's time to fire our coach. Um, Or, you know, North Carolina is going to lose that game and then their season's off the rails and then they have to play UVA in two weeks who they haven't beaten in half a decade. Um, So, I mean, I think that'll be a huge test for them. We're going to find out how good Miami is in week one as well. I mean, they play Alabama. Certainly don't expect them to win, but but if that game is at least competitive, like a little bit, maybe they're going to be as good as they were this past year. If it's not, maybe then, you know, they're beatable. Um, We'll see. You know, Duke I don't think really matters this year too much. Sorry. Um, (laughs) Pitt. I mean, like, they're just not very good. Um, Pitt, I, I looked at their schedule. I don't have it in front of me. But I remember looking at it in the first half of their schedule. I was like, man, they could be like 6-0. and um, They have Tennessee, with, but Tennessee is like a pretty bad team this year. So Tennessee has UMass. They go to Knoxville. Uh,
0: is that Western Michigan? Then a Cougar mascot I don't even know. Um, <laughs> and then they get Georgia Tech before their open week. So that's five. And then they go to Blacksburg the next week before they get Clemson on, on the 23rd of October.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, they could be 5-0 and o going to Blacksburg. Um, and then you have, like, Miami, North Carolina was one that I was sort of looking for. I think, you know, it's fair to say those two are the the coastal favorites going into this year, um, you know, that wins that. That is October 16th, so right in the middle of the schedule. Um, and that's sort of a fulcrum where you could say start to say, like, okay, this team's the favorite in the coastal, or this team is. Um I mean, I'm I'm kind of optimistic on this UVA team this year. Their schedule's just tough, um, and and it's gonna be a slog. But I, I don't see a team in the Coastal where I'm like, oh, they got the they got the schedule that everybody wants. Um, yeah, I'm certainly not envious of Virginia Tech's schedule, having to open with North Carolina and then having all those road games in the back half. Um, and North Carolina's is pretty balanced. Pitt has to play Clemson, you know, so that's never easy. Um, Miami you know Miami's schedule is like really front loaded with like they don't go on the road until like, that North Carolina game um, but they play Michigan State and Alabama and Appalachian State that seems like a really dumb non-conference schedule <laughs> um, and then you know obviously in the back half of their schedule they have to go to you know Georgia they have to go to Florida State they have to go to Pitt they have to go to North Carolina yeah I, I think that you know they they have a chance to sort of make up some ground at the in the back half but they're going to have to win on the road and then you know i think that's pretty much it for uh, Georgia Tech i still don't think it's quite there and they always have to play Clemson too so they certainly didn't get a, a you know a beneficial schedule of any kind and they have to also play Notre Dame um but yeah it's going to be i think it's going to be sort of open between you know three or four teams including UVA for a while and then it's going to come down to i mean UVA could play their selves out of the coastal pretty early just because they have what two, three ACC games in the first month of the season so I mean, they could play their way in or play their way out pretty early.
0: What about you, Dave? What what stands out to you about the ACC?
1: I mean, there are some interesting non-conference games this year. Um, I mean, Justin covered a lot of the, lot of what I would have said, but you know the, uh, you know if you look out of conference, you got, you know, Boston College playing such great teams. You're talking about not knowing the logo; they just have a random C there. I assume I don't know what that is. that Columbia we I was just
2: looking at it actually I think it's like Central Connecticut State or something
1: oh no it's Colgate sorry Colgate. okay they got Colgate UMass and Temple and then Missouri that's so random Um, you know Clemson obviously playing Georgia um, and then they'll have their South Carolina game like they always do I mean um, they also play UConn (laughs) yeah (laughs) but wonder who we'll find out their backup can throw from 400 yards in that game um, they're back up to there now, starting back up. Yeah, but you know, Louisville's playing Old Miss, you got NC State playing Mississippi State. Um Who were the other ones that I circled earlier? I forgot to bring my cheat sheet home from work. Notre today plays Florida State week one. Duke is playing like Duke must have thought it was basketball season. I mean, they've got a really d- decent basketball schedule. <laughs> I also
2: noticed that they mentioned it on Packer and Durham this morning. Oh, um, did they? Well, they mentioned that they don't. Their road games are at Charlotte, at North Carolina, at UVA, at, oh, yeah. at Virginia Tech. So they don't have like they don't have to get on a plane
1: yeah, the whole season. They go to Virginia, North Carolina. That's it. Um, yeah, but they play Northwestern, Kansas, UNC back to back. That's that's a good basketball stretch. Um, football, I guess, okay. But yeah, I mean, as far as the coastal goes, I know. Like maybe I need to look more into Carolina. Like, look, I think Carolina's a good team. Um, they. Sam Howe's a great quarterback, don't get me wrong. But they lose a lot of weapons off that team. Yep. Um and their defense has never been a strong suit there. I mean, Virginia's their defense should be improved, especially on the back end. Um but like yeah, I see a lot of people like assuming is the favorite. And if that offense doesn't produce like they did, it that defense needs to be much better. Um I mean, we've seen great quarterbacks without I mean, he has some elite receivers and elite running backs. Um Granted, he made them better. Sam Howell made them better. But, you know, they're going to take a, a, at least early in the year, unless they've got some weapons we don't know about, you know, they're not going to be as, most likely not be as prolific as they were last year. Um, And then Miami, you know, Miami, like I think Miami and Carolina are clearly the favorites in the coastal, but, you know, Miami's got a pretty brutal start to the season. You know, they could, I mean, I think we'd all agree they're going to lose game one barring some miracle um and then app state is not on a nothing to sneeze at and then they got michigan state the week after that uh, yeah
2: like the app state thing blows my mind because not only is it like a terrible team to play i mean like yeah, it's you, a track you, game too it's it's right after it's right after alabama like yeah. you're just gonna you're asking the players to be like all right well we'll just roll over this team and be fine and
1: then it doesn't go that way and then i assume that central connecticut they play after yeah michigan yeah state. And then they get UVA on a Friday on a Thursday. Um, So they've got, they only have, there are also a lot of like blue
2: collar sort of teams early in the season. And Miami is not that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then Virginia tech schedule. I mean, it'll be interesting. Brad mentioned it. I think like they play so many of their home games up front. Um, I mean, if, if they don't beat Carolina and West Virginia is going to be decent, I think so. Um, and, you know, Middle Tennessee State's not a terrible program. They've been kind of 500 the last couple of years, but you know, Virginia Tech's lost to worse. I, mean, I can't imagine what the atmosphere in Lane would be like if if they're 2-3 and three or 2-4 and four at the end of that Notre Dame game. Um, Fuente will be glad they're done with home games at that point.
2: The um, ones I'm circling for them are the ones right after Notre Dame because I think they'll yeah. sort of, like, I think they'll, I would probably pick them to lose to Carolina now, beat Middle Tennessee, and then West Virginia toss up You'll beat Richmond. So you're two and two. And then if you lose to Notre Dame, it's like you're two and three. But then people are gonna be like, Well, the schedule's gonna get better. The games I'm looking at are Pitt and Syracuse. If you screw yeah. up one of those, that's when people are gonna be like, you know, this is over. <laughs> you know, like
1: Yeah. And I think people will probably undervaluing Pitt a little bit this year. You know, they're always a physical team and they've got Pickett back, right? So Yeah. Um I mean they should be pretty good. Um, not David Hale good, but No, pretty, no. <laughs> David Hill, maybe David Hill will be low on them this year and they'll be great. Um, but yeah, I mean, all in all, it's, it's just fun to see a schedule again. And, and like, I'm, I'm so hopeful. I've been like making tailgating plans. I am going to be so devastated if that doesn't happen for some reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, overall, the last thing I'll say on Virginia schedules um, I think Justin may have hit on it, but I mean, the thing that scares me about the end of that schedule, I don't think, we don't know how tough it's going to be because, I, I mean, Notre Dame is going to be good. They're Notre Dame, right? But I don't know if they'll be, like, unbeatable good. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, because they have years where they don't have the athletes that like Alabama has, where it's like even when they're not as good, they're just going to roll over you. Yeah, um, and we've almost beaten them before. Yeah, so I mean, know. they you lose know, stupid it. games. I mean, yeah. they, they have years where they, they go 12-0. and 0. And then they have years where they go eight and four, but they're in like teams are in those eight games when they're eight and four, like they're, those,
1: they're close. And but Virginia was in the game in in South Bend, you know, a couple of years ago, they were um, up at halftime. Yeah. I mean, just couldn't block anybody in the second half, but you know, so we don't know what Notre Dame's going to be so that I, I don't think you can circle that game. Like if this has been last year's Notre Dame team, that's probably a loss, uh, a sure loss. I mean, it's most likely a loss, but I don't think it's a given. And it's late in the season, so who knows who's healthy and who's not. BYU, outside of last year, has been a 500 program for the four years prior. Um, Zach Wilson made a lot of good things happen. So, you know, that's certainly not losable, and you know Bronco doesn't want to lose that game. Um, Pitt is probably the the wild card in that one, just because you're sandwiched between two big games at home. Yeah. that's the game yeah, that think,
2: worries me because everybody's going to be like, "Oh, Notre Dame's a loss. BYU's who knows. Virginia Tech," and then they're just going to forget about Pitt. Like, yeah,
1: yeah. To me, like you know, as far as Virginia's schedule goes, they have five games they absolutely have to win. You know, the first five at home. You you've got to get every one of those because Notre Dame and you know, I mean, I'd like to be at a point where I say you've got to get Virginia Tech. Um, I don't know that we're there yet. We'll we'll know mid season. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think if Virginia loses to William Mary, Illinois, Wake Forest, Duke or Georgia Tech at home, it, it's gonna be hard to to have a great season. I think they could still squeak in the bowl.
2: Well,
0: I think that's a good place to uh to put a pen in it. You think,
2: you think we got it all? I
0: think we got it all. Um real quick, I have a, a small uh, addendum to the to the agenda. Um, if it so pleases the court. Wait, that just makes up my references. Anyway, um so, as you listen to this, I might have already actually announced it on Twitter, but uh, Damon Dillman, formerly of CBS19 in the Newsplex, is uh, joining the Cavs Corner team to cover baseball for the site this spring. His first, um, his first feature will drop uh, if, as, as we record this tomorrow afternoon. So, um, as we'll post it uh, in the morning, obviously. Um, I'm really excited to bring Damon on. Um, he's been a friend of mine for pretty, basically the entire time I was on the beat. Um and I've missed uh seeing him around, so I'm glad to to be working with him directly and, and have him contributing to the site. Um so we will have uh have somebody on the ground at the dish uh this season to to cover the who's and, and what will be probably a big uh big season for them um given everything they've got coming back and the amount of talent that Oak has. Um but we'll pick up. We'll, yeah, right. Um just trolling the uh free agent wire, right? um but no like my plan is because the spring is sometimes a little slow for us on the football basketball front once we get out of spring football if that even still is a thing that exists in the world in 2021 um but because presumably you know baseball will 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 be played and um we'll probably have damon come on the podcast some too um to talk and give the guys um you know some weeks off they have been absolutely amazing this this last year um bringing podcasts in weeks when there was nothing to talk about and managing to to keep um, not just you know keep the podcast going but also to to make it compelling and informative and something that people clearly enjoy because our subscription numbers are through the roof comparatively like we you know there might have been a pandemic with no gains but the podcast didn't seem to suffer at all so i really appreciate David for giving graciously. I say that every week, but I mean it. You know, they give their time and I very much appreciate it. So this spring we'll have Damon on some to talk about baseball. Um sometimes the guys will be on here and sometimes I'm sure they won't. But um really excited to bring him on and uh to have him contributing to the site. Um speaking of the site, check hey, us out. Uh oh, oh, what? what Shout what? out to Doug Dowdy. Oh, yes. Okay, so Doug Dowdy, um, Roanoke Times as as you listen to this Saturday, I guess will be his last game covering UVA, his last uh game covering U V A in Charlottesville was um was the Syracuse game on Monday nights and uh I, I told this story then and I'll tell it now. You know, I remember, you know, being in high school and listening to Doug in the postgame on the radio, uh and my my dad's friend, you know, Gac is <laughs> cursing Doug every time Doug <laughs> asks a question. And I know like, you know, for a lot of folks out there, you because know, Doug was not, you know, he's not somebody who who, who follows a company line. He would be more than happy. Um you know, to to stir it up a little bit if if it required stirring. Um, so uh, it was a good, you know, it was always a great resource for me and a guy who I had lots of fun being around. So shout out to Doug Dowdy and a great career To Roanoke Times, covering UVA, his alma mater.
2: Um, yeah, and um, I always feel like he's misunderstood. Like everybody thinks he's like this curmudgeonly guy that doesn't like UVA, and it's like that's not really what the deal is. Like he's a good dude um
0: and yeah. he's really funny he yeah, absolutely is um so yeah shout out to him and and congratulations on a heck of a, a run at the run of times um so anyway so yes uh you can check us out caps lots of good stuff uh ferber will have a preview for you later today uh i season reviews has been moving on um lots of stuff on the recruiting front if you're listening to this before saturday might be some good news coming just gonna going you know, say it, you know. I don't know how 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 much more I can um, make it plain to folks, but you know, definitely uh, keep it locked to uh, to your social feeds <laughs> on Saturday, because I think it's gonna be a good day for uh, Tony Bennett and, and company. So um, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Again, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for getting graciously our time as always. I very much appreciate all they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber on Brad Franklin, publisher of Cascorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.